All right, welcome back to the With Joe Eby podcast. Still on the Tim Ferriss series here, which started episode 228, and we'll continue for a bit. Luke, I want to ask you, have you ever thought of doing an MBA? A business degree? Master's in mm, business? I have thought, well, it's actually been raised from dad said, you know, might be a good idea at different points in your career, but I've never really uh, never really thought about it specifically yeah, into okay. anything more than that. What do you think people get out of doing that? Why do you think they might do an MBA? Just your best guess. I know it can be many things, but if you have an expectation. Honest, yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is just an extra giving their credentials more weight. Credentials. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. It's a good point. I think so. Obviously, today's episode is about how Tim Ferriss actually created his own MBA. And I'll, I'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to the point of credentials and we'll start with it too. And to start with it, I'll go back to when we were doing Naval. And I think he talked a bit about the credentialing to do with the university. That would have been in episode, uh, episode, what have we got here? 213 actually came out yesterday at time of recording. He talked about how a lot of people still go to university because part of it, even though they're not necessarily learning much, especially people who want to be entrepreneurs, the signaling mechanism, the credentialing, the credentials is still something they get out of it. But mm. Naval also said there are other ways to get credentials, like building a prominent business at a young age, writing, like we did this actually, it was funny he mentioned it, but writing a book because it's free to self-publish a book these days. 18 and Lost was our one. What were the other, building a prominent website. So there's other things you can do that also really grab people's attention and can signal your competency. Now, Tim Ferriss probably wasn't as focused on the credentials, but he was also interested in creating his own, I guess, creating his own MBA. So the story was that he thought about the prospect of business school at Stanford, but found a lot of abstract and theory-heavy classes. Then after conversations with his friend who was an investor, he thought, hang on, why don't I take the money I would have spent on business school, which was $120,000 at the time, and just invest that money myself and make my own real-world MBA, which comes back to a lot of the principles around learning we've talked about on the podcast, of course. So he created the Tim Ferriss Fund and assumed that he would lose the money. This is important. Assumed he would lose the money over the two years, but figured the skills he would learn and the people he would meet would exceed in value the 120000 So remember yesterday we were talking about how his strategy for winning, even if you fail, is to focus on skills and relationships because they're always going to last longer than the project. He's doing the same thing here. When you spend $120,000 on an MBA, that's sunk cost. You don't, you don't recoup that. You're expecting to get some sort of return on that, just like you do in an investment. But you're not putting it, you're not giving it to Stanford or the University of Sydney <laughs> and expecting that University of Sydney is going to pay you back 240 grand at the end, right? That's, that's, it's paid intuition. So he's figured, mm. I'm just going to, you know, assume I would lose it. Now we've completely shifted the way most people think about risk. How did it go, Luke? Well, he lost the first 50000 on the first investment. <laughs> okay. But, but he did go on to have a prolific angel investing career. 
He was early in companies like Shopify, Twitter, Uber. Those names will carry a lot of weight for a long, long time to come and many, many more. So the experience was a net positive and it was probably way more productive than going to do a traditional MBA and learn things. Um, yeah, only learn about things in theory. Now, I don't know. I've never done an MBA from the outside. In my opinion, looks like something that would never interest me based on my principles that I've learned around learning. When it's in practice, you almost guarantee it's going to relate to reality. When it's in theory, there's a chance, normally a very thin one, that it will relate to reality very neatly. That's just the principles of learning I think we've unpacked. But I've always followed a similar philosophy myself. I thought university was just the most stupid thing for me because you had to spend all this time doing tests, boring lectures, and all this stuff, waiting for someone to approve you to go do things. I just think that concept was really ridiculous for me. That's why ever since I've been looking for pathways that definitely don't need some sort of outdated qualification process myself. And that's just for me. I didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer. So that made it easy. But we had Sydney listings, which is obviously the first proper business I did. A real estate agency. I had no fucking clue what I was doing. Make that very clear, which I don't really recommend to anyone else. But the opportunity was presented to me. And I knew I didn't want to go back to university. So I figured even if I didn't make it, define make it, whatever that means, I guess make money and a sustainable living off the business, I still backed myself to learn so much that this would be a true degree. Now, if I looked at it as a complete, like, I've only wanted to do this if it works out, it probably would have been way too scary to actually give it a try. So this mindset really can be the difference between opening the first of a thousand doors or not. Right. And ultimately that's what happened for me. Like I didn't make gazillions, like the business still runs. I still operate it, but definitely didn't make it, make it big. Well, not at this point anyway, but I learned so much about things as diverse as marketing, about people, just actually about people, hiring, firing, which there's no way you could learn about firing in an MBA. I can tell you from having fired people, nothing prepares you for that. Handling risk, assessing the purchase of a business, financial management of a company, actually having to do it, investing property as an asset class because I was working in real estate, mortgages and all that attached to it, right? I think Luke, you would have come to me with questions over the years. A couple mm, other people yep. did. And that's not to include the people and the contacts I made. Now, I just think that as a very simple business, and that's what I got out of it, beyond money, I just don't see many situations, especially in formal education, where you can get all that. And so the next question is, why isn't everyone doing this? Well, it's scary. scary or you might just think why like the a present opportunity like real estate might not interest you that much or you know just starting any business for the sake of it so also that obviously makes a lot of sense <laughs> like find something you care about enough to actually try but going to college or university or paying for course after course online is easier than actually stepping into the arena right mm. that's the thing and uh, is it which Roosevelt has that quote about the man in the arena? I can't remember which one it is, which is terrible. It's super famous. It goes, credit goes to the man who's actually in the arena. 
who gives basically who gives it a shot instead of people who want to stand on the outside is even though and I know that even though like everyone knows yeah in those situations you're going to learn more it's still it still creates a lot of fear right when you say easier do you mean fear or because it's easy mate, just... lot of, <laughs> it's easier to sit there and learn more in theory mm. it's easy like not, what's the risk when you go sit in a course that you're not interested in for three or four years where's the risk and obviously there's fucking heaps of risk the risk is opportunity cost what you could be doing instead Mm. but most people are not feeling the risk there in a business you feel the risk you see the money running out of your account you see that guy's like uh not responding to emails who works in the team and you're thinking do i have to have a a tough conversation with this guy. Am I a bad manager? Right. Who was it? Was it Naval or Taleb? I think it was Naval said, you know, we weren't designed to bleed every day. That's why people avoid things where there's going to be daily pain. But obviously what is an example of daily pain is like, you know, the running or going to the gym. That is how you fucking grow. Most people want to win every day. Most people want the graph to just keep going up. And mate, I do too. But I, I just, I, I know that it can't be like that to do the worthwhile things in life. It, it just can't. So is it safe to say we're sort of fighting against our wiring by doing this? Well, of course we're fighting against our, our wiring. But don't forget that part of your wiring is social conditioning. So it's not just to blame everything on evolution because there are people doing it. And the, the real risk in life is not that you are not financially uh, free by a certain age or, you know, you haven't really progressed your career by the age of 35 or something like that. I think the real risk in life is that you devote decades to doing unimportant things. <laughs> now that's a scary thought. Yes. And but we don't ponder it enough. We don't do we? ponder it. It's too real. I felt like I was living three dead years. I do not exaggerate when I use that line at university. And again, it's not, I'm just saying it was for me. Um, some people, the best thing they could possibly be doing is go to university at this point in their lives. It's completely fine. I don't think it's 90% of the people who are there right now though. And that's probably still being generous. People have the precisely wrong ideas about risk. And it is definitely possible to, but they need to be, the conditioning needs to be reversed. And the way I think, well, we'll talk tomorrow about the fear setting with Tim Ferriss Mm -hmm. and that. But obviously, uh, breaking things into chunks with this is, is important if you want to transition. Because it's not this flick of the switch. All right, Joe said something, you know, and now, now I'm going to quit quit my job, quit the degree and just go, no, it's honestly, Luke, it's kind of like, to be honest, you, you're a good example. I'm a good example of like, all right, first I'll start a podcast. <laughs> first I'll start writing. First I'll start, I don't know, uh, reading more books and then making a YouTube video about what I learned from those books. That's a very, very beautiful place to start mm. because instead of this, Ooh, should I go do the, the big scary go all in on some random idea. 
No, no, probably not. I had a lot of financial support behind me with the real estate. That was the only reason I, I fucking did it. So I have very unique circumstances, privileged family, and I'm very open about that. But in saying that, taking on, you are the size of the challenge you face yourself with. So the bigger the challenge you can actually take on and survive, and the key is surviving, <laughs> like the more you can actually grow. And that's positive because you, you really upgrade your mental software and you really upgrade the kind of things you can do in the world. Starting a podcast for most people is scary. But when you've had to fire people, you've burnt through tens of thousands of dollars of cash in a month, when you've done all those things, I guarantee you, you will never be scared to start a podcast your whole life. That's the, na- that's the, <laughs> that's the nature of anti-fragile, Luke, of Taleb. Mm, yeah. That's what I mean. And so the way, but the way you look at it is everything because the Tim Ferriss thing is like, you really, is that this is not just a funny way of thinking about it, this creating your own MBA. This is the reality because even if you come back to credentials, what's better than having an MBA? Being an advisor of Uber or Twitter <laughs> for, for, for business stuff, right? Not for quality of life necessarily, just in that specific game. So like credentials, all right, people want credentials. Credentials for what? It's safe to say might not exactly fit into that definition of 80-20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Credentials are, are much more going to be much more important, would have been much more important in the old world, the world of our parents, than they will be for 20 years from now. Like the, the kind of university-given credentials, qualification, certification-given credentials. Because things are just going to be changing so fast that credentials become outdated so quick. Mm-hmm. You know, medical research will replace a lot of basic roles that doctors do. You know, you obliterate, you probably obliterate a whole bunch of specialties that people specialize in and stuff as, as like science and technology keep advancing. So this is just the much more agile way of learning and credentialing, and it's the it's the way of actually doing. Fuck! What a what a what a novel idea of actually doing it to display you can do it. <laughs> yeah. So the two things I keep coming back to, especially the concept we now talk about called the exponential career, the two real obstacles are awareness and fear. They are really the only two things that can really harm you. Awareness about what can I do, where can I start, but awareness about the big picture in terms of what are the real risks you face. The real risk is that when you get to the age of 80, I think the biggest risk would be that you would not buy the story of your own life in a book form. That it might be so uninteresting and boring to you that it wouldn't be something you'd be proud to give a child or grandchild. That's a way to put it. I just can't think of a bigger risk. And once you start thinking like that, you know, you don't care about a five grand increase in salary to change companies or, you know, I don't know, the the extra zero on, on the balance sheet. There's no need to avoid that stuff, right? I'm not avoiding any of that. But it cannot be the biggest thing. 
And the more we can zoom out, the more we can imagine it. Because being on the fucking hamster wheel takes away the ability to imagine it. Because we're always thinking short term. Yeah, the, uh, that's something that came to mind is the trivial stuff feels more can feel more intense sometimes than, for example, imagining a life of regret. Like it doesn't hold um, emotional weight. Yeah, it's not meritocritus. It's not that the biggest risk goes top of the deck. Mm. And you are, we are problems. So think about evolution. We, we look at things like the saber-toothed tiger. Like it's almost like whatever the biggest worry you have right now is, you'll worry about it like, the saber, like it's a saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> so when you surround yourself in a room with only small things, like the paper clips weren't put in the right spot at the end of work or the washing was left out or something like that, the people will react with a disproportionate magnitude to trivial things because it's the biggest thing in the room. And the room, I mean, is the metaphor for that life you've put and the boundaries on your awareness. But if you zoom out, you don't apply that kind of anxiety towards small things because you can see and be conscious of more. Not more for the sake of more. It's not a volume thing. I mean more, a greater percentage of the actual reality that Alan Watts spoke about. The actual reality. And the whole of our lives is a learning journey. And that's why I love this Tim Ferriss 180 of risk, that hopefully it might permit many people to not actually take more risks, because they're not risks. They're just the doors you're meant to open. And if you're afraid, then tomorrow we'll talk about fear and defining your fears and not your goals. Thank you, Luke. Thanks, Joe.